It's Europe Calling with Vince Tracy and Terry Whitehead. So, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. Very special date for us today, the 29th of February. Only comes round every now and again. And the year, of course, 2024. Our weather, well, a mixture of quite cold early on, quite hot, midday till about three, going cold again, and lots of wind. Let me go west uh, around about three quarters of an hour, sensible driving, and uh, find out how he is. So, Terry, uh, are you any better this week? Yeah, I feel I feel good, yeah. Still coughing. <clears throat> Just to give you a bit of sound effect. Still coughing and slouching a bit. No, I feel really good. I feel really good. Uh, yeah, I've had a rough few weeks, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I feel okay now, thank God. But uh, the family are all coughing and slouching as well, so I suppose we'll carry on passing it around to each other for... Yeah, a few more weeks yet. It's uh, it's a seasonal thing, isn't it? Really, Vince. I think it is, and uh, I do note there's quite a few people that get this sort of. It's like a, a coughing fit. Uh, so there's obviously a particular germ that um, is coming round again. Um, what's your weather well, like? It doesn't down... end in a coughing. That's the main thing. Ah, yeah. Uh, what's your weather like down there? All right. Yeah, I'm just looking at blue skies again as you. Been lovely today, um, and yesterday was pretty good as well. It's, yeah. it's it's not, but you know, the sun goes down, obviously it gets a bit cooler. But days have been really, uh, I don't know, it was about 18 degrees, I think, where I was just 19 degrees. Very comfortable, very comfortable. Yeah. Okay, our first story then, here it comes. And um, we're in your area of expertise as we're looking at buildings. Oh. Well, the news was full last week of the horrendous fire at a residential complex in Valencia. Um, For those people who are listening in and maybe aren't aware, we're talking about Spain's third largest city after Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, And uh, this was on the Thursday, killed at least five people, injuring 15 by the latest count on the Friday afternoon when the press released uh, this particular um, article I was looking at. The flames swept through the two contiguous buildings in just half an hour, raising questions about the way the complex was constructed. Uh, Housing units inside the residential complex began to be marketed in 2006, Construction completed in 2008, this of course being right in the middle of the property bubble in Spain, Uh, but then coming into the um, crisis um, or recession in English. The complex is located in the northwest of Valencia in the new Campanar. This is a particular neighbourhood and the spelling in the press tells me that it's been written either by an American software programme or by an American journalist, which is always interesting to maybe pick up maybe a few clues on why it's been in the press, etc., etc. Anyway, uh, like the entire real estate sector, the developer behind the building, a firm called FBEX, uh, they went into crisis in 2010. It filed for bankruptcy after racking up 640 million euros. That's about 693 million dollars, which doesn't go to pounds. So immediately tells me my suspicions were correct about uh, the American connection um, in debt. And the development financed by um, Ernesto Banesto bankrupts, uh, sorry, Banesto, a bank, that was later absorbed by Santander in 2012, passed into the hands of the lender. The complex had 138 privileged homes with one, two and three bedrooms, according to FBEX's promotional video, which also highlighted its excellent construction materials and top quality finishes. Um, obviously a little bit premature in its uh, promotional campaign. The complex was made up of two buildings of 14 and 10 floors, which were joined by a panoramic elevator, according to the video. The facade of the building was cladded 
with an innovative aluminium material Aluka bond. In addition to the building uh, that went up in flames in New Campanar, FBEX also built a complex known as the Navis Tower with 20 floors and 162 homes in the town of Mislata, uh, less than two miles away. The building, like the ones devoured by the fire on the Thursday, was cladded with this Aluka bond, an aluminium composite that includes synthetic uh, material. Terry, is it something that everybody would know or is it something that only somebody like yourself who was in the construction industry would be able to talk about it's it's something well it's not something that uh, we use uh but it's 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 claim claim to notoriety is um from the grenfell tower fire in london a couple of years ago uh, which was the same type of cladding the cladding itself um, there's all manner of cladding which has become very popular over the years, mainly because uh, they're far superior to conventional rendering and basically are maintenance-free, except when they catch fire. Um, the uh, it, it's I'm surprised that after the Grenfell Tower, that places like this weren't uh, uh, pinpointed. Um, because, because when I when I saw that going up, I, I, I originally thought it was a terrorist attack that they must have somehow blown up twenty apartments because the whole lot was on fire. And then when you see uh, different uh, people's um, recordings of when it started, but well, if you'd have told me the whole building was made of wood, I believe it, except the wood would probably have burnt slower. It, but you, nobody stood a chance in there. It's amazing that people actually got out. To be honest with you, it really yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, probably because it was it was early evening, it was sort of tea time uh, when it's I think it's five, five or six o'clock or something when it started. So people aren't asleep or, 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 or dozing. Um, and I think that was a reason why there, were, there weren't so many casualties. But it's uh, it, it's proof that this type of cladding is obviously widely used, though certainly not in my area. What we tend to use here is uh, like, they call it sort of curtain cladding where you actually use ceramics. Um, you, you, you clad the outside of the building with ceramics, which creates an air gap between the ceramic on the outside and the, the general, the normal construction inside. That air gap creates a, a, a very efficient buffer insulation from the heat and from the cold. Just simple air gap. And the ceramic tile won't burn, nor will the fixings that it's, it's used with, but this this sort of uh, cladding being very popular, very pretty, aluminium being um, a, a wonderful um, material to use, fine, but it's the filler that it's, it's the sandwich that it's made from. It's only, they're only thin; they're only about less than a centimetre thick, as far as I know. But um, they're, they're they're very very thin, and uh, it's. Uh, but they, once they start to go, they burn very, very, very quickly. Mm. Very, very quickly. Um, and I, I did look up at the time when it started, and, and a lot of these are advertised as, uh, as highlighting there's, there's, there's no significant contribution to a fire. They say they use non-combustible material, very low smoke production. Well, if it's smoke production, then it will burn. Um, they reckon it's non-existent flaming, but it, obviously it wasn't. So something uh, has gone very wrong here, or more than likely, the prescribed material that uh, that, that was mentioned, the Lucabon, uh wasn't used. And I imagine perhaps a cheap Chinese, dare I say Chinese, mm-hmm. Chinese uh, uh, material, as was used instead. That looks just as good, because when you're doing a block of flat, flats, there's a massive amount of square metres involved. And if you can save yourself quite a few euros per square metre, um, companies like this will do it. It seems very strange that the firm went down the pan a few years later. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Spain will take as long. As, I mean, they're still, it's, it's still having discussions about the Greenfield Tower, aren't they? There's still, <clears throat> still nothing coming out. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, if Hillsborough disaster took, took decades, 
what chance of in the UK is ridiculous. But I think here, um, I think they'll move a bit quicker on this one, and hopefully we'll get a we'll get a reply and a result as uh, as to exactly what happened, who was to blame, what was used more importantly, uh, and where is this? Where has this been used elsewhere? And make sure it's stripped off immediately. So a risk of fire is very minimal in Spain, as myself being a construction in construction. In the UK, for instance, all roofs are basically made of wood. They're not in Spain. They're made of brick and concrete. Everything's brick and concrete. The windows aren't wood. Everything's brick and concrete. Um, we use aluminium windows, but if you've got PVC windows, which I'd imagine is what they had on this block for the fire to reach inside, a uh, PVC C window will melt, and then the fire will get in into an apartment. But you don't expect a fire to come in from the outside. Fires generally start at an inside in a, a, a washing machine or a, a tumble dryer or something like that or a dishwasher. So at, anything like that. At what, it, uh, yeah, at, um, Terry? At what point in the construction does the fire service uh, inspect and uh, query or not query or pass or whatever it might be the construction materials that are going to be used? I mean, where does that come into in the process if it does at all? Well, I'm not sure they do, do they? They give it lip service. Sadly, again, I work with uh, a lot of architects. Um, they're a lot better than they used to be, the architects now. They tend to do more work, whereas years gone by, I, I never saw an architect. You get one one registered for the job that you're doing, you, and nine times out of ten, I wouldn't even meet him. He'd send me a load of paperwork to process, and that'd be that. And they wouldn't even bother coming around to check the site. Nowadays, it's a bit different. But again, they will look at it they will look and they'll see the cladding. I don't think they're going to take a piece of cladding off and test it. And that's what they should have done, obviously. Um, so I think it would have been a cursory inspection. It, you know, if it looks all right. You know, if, it, if it waddles and it quacks and it must be a duck. Mm. And what about cladding per se? Because I know, uh, I'm not trying to trivialise this, but I'm just remembering there was a, a part of Coronation Street when one of the characters decided to put cladding on the front of the house. And obviously, mm. you know, um, it, it sort of, it, it, there was a comedic element to it. But I mean, in the construction sense, what is it more for? Is it more for um, the containment of, of the elements or is it uh, for the attractiveness of the building? Which is priority? Well, well the short answer is both. But um, we are, uh, in the construction industry, we are, uh, we have to prove a certain uh, a certain quality of, of insulation uh, and uh, green uh, stuff, uh, shall we say, in, in the construction that we do, uh, and, and to prove that it has, uh, it gets a rating uh, regarding insulation, etc. So uh, primarily this is an insulating material, secondary it's 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 very quick to pull up. Thirdly, it's maintenance free. Fourthly, it looks really really good. It does look really really good. It looks very very special. Everyone's glad to have it on. They're glad to have it on, but it keeps the places warm, and it keeps the places cool. It will will keep the heat away. That little uh, the, the 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 material that burnt gives it the insulation, but it's the air gap between that and the building that gives it the the best protection. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's mainly the green element, shall we say, that that uh, at the moment that's enforced on us more than anything, rather than the structural side of things. Right, and when it comes to uh, the fact that there are so many, uh, well, if we take a, a you know, Benidorm would be one quick example. Um, how many times would you think they do fire drills? Um, because obviously when you look at uh, so many high-rise in one area, especially with so many tourists coming over, um, is it something that is um, high priority to do fire drills for things like this? No. So, well, look, just look at Benidorm. That's the easiest one to look at. I mean, Valencia's not that many high-rise places there, but even with the building in concerns, uh, they were struggling to get anywhere near the top. And when you consider last weekend I was in a hotel on the 44th floor in Benidorm, there's not a catching health chance, I'll be safe. I'm very pleased to see that the whole lot was concrete. Everything that I was sitting and sleeping in was concrete. There was nothing there at all. But it's smoke that kills. 
obviously, rather than uh, than the fire in those cases. Uh, and that and the, that whole structure is concrete on the outside. There's no cladding on that whatsoever. That's the the Bali Hotel Bali, the yeah. tallest hotel in, in Spain, I think. Yes, but it's um, it, it's it's there is no fire drill. No, I've never known a fire drill in any in any hotel that I've stopped in. Uh, and but the question is, how do you get out? Obviously, the sign there saying "Don't use the stairs." Well, me with a gammy leg, took about three weeks to get downstairs off the forty-fourth floor. So uh, it's it's uh, there's no there's no yeah the fire is is doesn't even come into it. There's no fire brigade certainly in Benidorm that can get anywhere near. They wouldn't get they wouldn't get a quarter of the way up the hotel uh, to, to save people um, and and pass that across to all the hotels. There's any if you're anywhere near the, the, the top half of, of any hotel, you're not going to be saved. Having said that, I'm struggling while I'm talking to you, just trying to think of a hotel that's that's been set on fire uh, in Benidorm. Um, it's uh, you, you get apartments where there's been uh, normally a kitchen fire or something like that. That's normally contained and, and, and done. But if that should happen, where cladding of this type has been installed, um, then you saw very, very quickly it's a raging inferno in minutes. We're talking minutes, we're not talking hours, minutes. Yeah. So it's an awful stuff. And I just hope, as I say, Spain um, makes a, a corporate decision, shall we say, very quickly. And rather than, like in the case of Grenfell and, and all the buildings in the UK that use the same material, have to employ fire watchers and 24-7 to tell them it's on fire. It's not doing a lot of good because if it is on fire, it's going to burn very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, but I think here, I'm hoping that they move a bit quicker here, and I'm hoping that they will make a directive that any buildings with this uh, material would they'd have to be stripped straight away, stripped back. And uh, do you know whether or not that, that product is still flourishing? I mean, is it still used by a lot of builders? Well, I don't, well no, it shouldn't be, because the, the product you mentioned... Um, is uh, uh, supposedly fireproof material, um, and that is probably the product that was mentioned on the on the, on the spec for the building. Yeah. Doesn't mean to say that's the product that was installed by the builder. The builder can save a few bob. Listen, I spent most of my life uh, taking houses apart and apartments apart that have been built so shoddily and badly. Uh, it breaks your heart sometimes to see it. this. This week I've had, had one in question. It was a lovely apartment in Kelping, but it's um, a, a whole string of, of bad, bad uh, workmanship. And I know for a fact I've been on, on, on building sites, certainly down in Torrevieja, that area, where the, the building companies they were employing gardeners and putting a trowel in their hand and giving them building jobs. I haven't got a clue. I had one case where. The roof was put on back to front. The tiles were upside down the other way around. So when it did rain, the water did come in. It didn't come <laughs> off. Right. Uh, that's a classic. It's a classic example. Right. Okay, um, we'll have a look at something from the UK next. Okay, uh, this one uh, was about um, primary school pupils as young as five have been asked to give their thoughts on whether gender-neutral toilets should be installed in their schools and if they would benefit trans people. Aberdeenshire Council has published a survey about what toilets should be available in new or refurbished buildings, which includes schools and has asked for feedback from the pupils as well as teachers, it asks them to choose uh, one of several options about what schools should provide for them, including separate toilets for males and females. However, the survey also has three options for unisex toilets, two of which involve scrapping the existing male-only and female-only toilets entirely. The survey asks respondents how comfortable they would feel using single-sex toilets, and whether these single-sex toilets would have a positive or negative impact on people who are transgender. This survey is asking for participants to specify whether they are a council employee, a primary or secondary pupil, 
and if they identify as non-binary or trans. You can probably guess why I wanted to discuss this, because quite frankly, to think that that is even anywhere near primary school children is, is just insane, isn't it? Well, you know, in most people's houses is one bathroom, and it's used by all the members of the family and yeah. guests and friends that may come round. No one says, um, have you got a ladies' toilet? Have you got a non-gender toilet? Um, I've never been on an airplane where there's separate toilets. I've never been on a train where there's separate toilets. So why all of a sudden should we invent a situation where you need separate toilets? Very nice to have men's and, and, and ladies' toilets when you've got a big uh, area to, 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 to supply these facilities. Fine. And certainly with schools, I think it's quite very important to have boys' toilets and girls' toilets. Take your pick, pal. Which one are you? Which one do you feel comfortable in using? Don't ask a lad to do it. You go, well, I want to go and use the later the girls' toilets and have a bit of fun. It's it's as simple as that. You're one or the other. There's no there's no other gender flexibility in my mind. You're either born one way or the, or the other. If in your head you feel you're something else, or you're a kangaroo or a cat, help yourself. But there's that toilet or this toilet. If you don't want it, I'll get you a tray of sand. Okay, um, further to a number of different things in the press um, and the NHS uh, putting out um, a, a series of articles regarding the language that people have now got to use. Uh, I'd look at, I thought I'd look a little bit more into this and I found something that was um, in London uh, in Savid Javid's uh, sort of uh, sphere, and it was written into um, uh, 18th of September 2023 into the Daily Telegraph, and the NHS is creating hundreds of diversity and inclusion roles despite being told to crack down on waste and wokery. Officials at NHS England have drawn up plans for three new departments called Equality, Diversity and Inclusion, that's one department, People and Culture, and then People and Communities, with 244 posts on the teams. So the Health Secretary, Steve Barclay, uh, was understood to be frustrated by the move and intends to summon health officials to demand explanations for the creation of large departments enforcing woke doctrines. Ministers have repeatedly promised to crack down on bureaucracy with NHS England ordered to cut its workforce by up to 40%. So... I'm wondering, having what uh, we've just been looking at now as a little bit of backup to things that I've been reading in the press, um, I don't even tell you the language used to um, define a lady's parts as opposed to a gentleman's parts. Um, I mean, it's just insane. Have you any clues for me who's behind this? Because I- I'm running out of... Um, patience on the, how stupid people are seemingly getting in the uh, United Kingdom. Well, what do you think about it? Well, this wonderful phrase they call wokeness and woken, but absolute load of rust. It's just getting from bad to it. I mean, what you've just described there, that all I'm thinking of while you're describing, apart from the, the futility of, of the subject, is the positions that you're asking people to be employed in, are they going to get paid? Who's ah. going to pay for these positions of, of stupidity? And putting people in charge of something that doesn't exist. Yeah, the, the, no, you don't need anybody in charge of the king's new clothes. They don't exist. Well, and so- the, easiest, the, the easiest way to shortcut this is just do your history of, of, uh, of Germany in the 1930s. And you will see exactly the same thing happening there in a different manner. That just destabilises everything and puts... Uh, um, allowed the, the National Socialists, which is the Nazi party, to come to power. That is my worry, is that somebody is going to end up getting backed and, and boosted, especially now you've got social media. All we had in, in Nazi Germany was word on the street, you know, and, and, and maybe a, a, print, a printed article. Uh, but now, with, with so much social media, it's, it is absolutely frightening. So, maybe you can think that outside agencies are quite happy to stir this up and us like the sheep that we are suck it all in and absorb it and think hmm wokery is fine yes we do need 42 different types of toilet in our local school 
why did I not realise this before? Mm. Wake up, people. Smell it. Well, uh, you mentioned money. So uh, on this article that I tracked down, it wasn't something that we, we had in the press. I just thought I'd look a bit more into it. Um, the £13.8 million in total salaries across these three new departments um, does not include on-call overtime and London waiting allowances. So that's just a starting point for those three unnecessary departments. Well, if you listen, uh, if everyone's after money in their life, then this is, uh, this is, this is it. There's a big flag there. Come on, lads. Do a bit of genuine up on uh, on wokery and gender and gender bending, and and apply for the job. You could you could bullcrap your way into it, no problem at all. And I've no doubt there'd be a wonderful salary for that because nobody can can evaluate the salary for that. Uh, you know, and it's got to be worth a lot of money. And for, at least they can give the job to somebody, and that's off my desk. It's on your desk now. It's it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Where's the money coming from? It's absolutely balmy, and. But the people just sucking it in. I can't believe that no one's actually stand up and say, wait a minute, wait, just wait a minute. This is absolute rubbish. Absolute crap. But just stop talking crap and get on with it. So, as I've said before, as soon as a, as a political party, be it in the UK, be it in Spain, calls themselves the Common Sense Party, I'll be voting for them. I, I really uh, feel exactly the same as everything that we've been speaking about. But I would add in also, it's not just the NHS, because basically I look at what's happening in the schools and I'm asking myself, where are the unions? Normally, when something is wrong, the unions are the first to come out. They're going to have a strike. Well, OK, we've had a few strikes, so maybe they are in there playing at the moment. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, realistically, uh, where's the leadership? Where's the morality? Where's, where's anything? I mean, it's almost like these things just happen. And if I hadn't uh, pointed out that money, I'd not seen that anywhere in the press and I'd not even seen the article in the press. OK, Terry. Well, got, listen, Vince, if you've, you've got, if, if any problem starts arriving on your desk, the easiest way to do it, being it's not your company and you're, you're using government funds, He's created departments and a head of that department and his underlings, etc., etc., to cover that particular strategy, whatever's needed, for whatever it is. And you create a new department and very cleverly shove it off your desk onto somebody else's. It now becomes somebody else's problem. Yeah. They've got to be paid, of course, but that's not your problem. Your desk has now got cleared of that problem. And it's a very popular thing to do. And, and as long as we keep standing for that, it's going to keep happening. Okay, um, I found an interesting article which is highlighting certain things throughout Europe. Uh, so we'll have a look at those and take each apart and see what we know about them, if anything. So here we go. So the first one is Denmark and uh, Keep Out, its headline was. Denmark is fighting a UK ban on fishing for sand eels on Dogger Bank in the North Sea, maintaining that Britain is reneging on the Brexit agreement. The sand eel is an important primary source for the country's produce uh, fish meal and fish oil industry in Denmark, the foreign minister has said. Um, so first of all, have we heard about that? And basically, why would there be an agreement post-Brexit between uh, Denmark and uh, UK, which is now being reneged according to their claim? Any thoughts on that one? I've got to be honest, Vince. My knowledge of sand deals on the Dogger Bank is probably limited. Um, anything for an argument, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose, really. You know, hang on, these are our sand deals. No, they're not. They're ours. Well, you said you look after them. Well, I know, yeah, but maybe you don't even eat them. We, we need them in Denmark. We don't matter. We're having them. So it, there's always fisheries arguments, isn't there? That I'm amazed we're not at another fisheries war after Brexit, to be honest with you. Well, there's so many areas of, 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 of fishing rights that reverted back to the UK um, that I'm surprised they're not being a fishing war. So maybe this is a fishing war about sand eels on, 
on Dogger Bank. Mm. Okay. I think we should send the Navy in, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, you're joking. Uh, they can't even manage to if stop we people. One. <laughs> the, they, they, well, <laughs> there is that. The, those that are built can't get out of the dock, and uh, they can't keep uh, these very, very small boatloads of people coming across the channel. So uh, I don't we'll think... Send, we'll send divert them over there. It'd be a nice little island mm. for a live on the Dogger Bank. Sounds interesting. They can eat sand eels. They've all the sand eels they want. Well, it's what we don't hear as much as what we do hear often. Um, so you're like me. You're in the dark on that one. It's not something I've seen. Uh, <laughs> so we'll stay with Denmark and... Toxic build-up waste from an abandoned steelworks in Frederiksberg is contaminating Roskilde Fjord with hazardous man-made PFAS chemicals and equally dangerous phenols uh, or phenols. <laughs> uh, the pollution, which accumulated over decades, could probably put the fjord at risk. Uh, this is a report by the Greater Copenhagen Regional Authority, and that's what they're telling us is happening. Uh, again, I've not seen anything about this whatsoever, and with the um, stuff that's going on all around us um, about our pollution, and the planet to be saved, etc., etc. I would have thought that might have actually hit the light of day, summer, but I've not seen anything. So have you? Well, I'm, um, no, uh, I'm surprised that fjords haven't been um, um, uh, polluted um, up till now. I really am. Um, I can only assume that industry's not been near the, the classic fjords. Uh, the old idea of lots of on my bucket list to have a have a cruise up the fields and have a nose at that. It must be beautiful. Um, but I, I saw it happen when I was in, in Bilbao. It's not a fjord, but it was, it was an estuary. And uh, I first went there in 19, 1980, I think it was. I was I was translating for Aston Villa Football Club. They were they were drawn against Athletic Bilbao in quarterfinals of the European Cup. All right. Um, and they won. Yeah. Um, but I know, having walked around Bilbao... Um, not having not been there before, I was amazed at this mustard-coloured river that ran through it to the estuary to the sea. Yeah, uh, it's absolutely disgusting. Fast forward about thirteen years, twelve, thirteen years longer, I was ended up on a on a big big building project up, up there in the Basque Country, and happened to notice that the mustard-coloured river is now more of a normal-coloured river. So they, they had actually done something about it. And, and when I obviously got talking about it, it was because of steelworks around there that the, the mustard-coloured the mustard river was basically a river of rust. Uh, and they had made a good effort and cleared and cleared an awful lot of uh, that industrial crap away. And, and since then, I was also involved in a project to, to keep that part of the river clean using our, our irrigation, our, um, our rain harvesting systems. And, and that is very much played, very much a story like the Thames. Now you've now got fish in the Thames. You now get dolphins coming up the Thames. Yeah, and now that. fish in in in, in the in, in the estuary in, in Bilbao. So I can understand things happening elsewhere, including a field. Um, and sadly, it is happening. I'm surprised because the, the, the Norwegians are, are very keen on on green things, um, especially a certain Greta. And but it's. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that it's got to that stage, really. I'd have thought somebody had seen there was an industrial complex that could cause a problem. So, don't know much about it, but I'm sure they're on top of it. Well, let's talk about something you posted today, which um, was very illuminating. Uh, was about Greta Thunberg, wasn't it? Tell us about that. Um, that, that that was a very interesting post, actually. Well, it is. It's, it's all these people about stop oil. I mean, Greta's just one of them. Stop oil. Stop fossil fuels. Ban them now. Okay, let's just wave the magic wand and ban them. Automatically, your shoes fall apart, your clothes fall apart. There's nothing there. The, the, the petrochemical industry and, and uh, is, is, is suppliers of virtually all plastic materials. So anything plastic in your life has disappeared overnight. Uh, also, the petrochemical industry is an awful lot of is used in, in the chemistry of your pharmaceuticals that keeping you alive. They will disappear overnight. There's no grease or oil for your car. That's not going to happen unless you can find a, a bit of whale. But then you can't go around killing whales, can you? Slapping a bit of whale oil on your engine. <laughs> the ludicrousy of what they want is, is the point I was making. You can't stop oil. 
you need oil for other things. These idiots, these ignorant idiots, with stop oil over their shirts, all I can see is some gas coming out of the car. That's part of the usage of, of the oil that, that, that is dragged out, out of the depths of, of, of the earth. There are many, many other things that oil is used for. Yeah, I was like to say, including oil in the vehicle that they drove in to get there. If it's all right, oil in the bike that they pedaled to get there. If they didn't have it, the bike wouldn't be going around. You know, it would be seizing up. You can't stop oil. This is that was the point of the, the bit that I posted. That's, yeah. it's, it's not as simple as that. But again, it just shows the ignorance of these people. They're not just stupid bigots. They're completely ignorant people. But there seems uh, to... no idea what 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 oil is or what it does or what we we use it for. But it would seem that the judiciary, uh, after the police at least get them into court, are hell-bent on not punishing them. So that uh, does tend to hint that there's a bit of collusion at a higher level. And obviously, you know, those that want to maybe uh, think about conspiracy theories, well, you can actually see there's a lot more clarity in why they should want to do that. Um, well, the only people sent to prison, I think, nowadays, Vince, certainly in the UK, is, is if you've broadly the government, you've done, done them for tax, you're going to prison. Other than that, you've got um, something like a 96% chance of getting away with any rape charge. Don't worry about burglaries. They're not going to chase anybody for burglaries or car theft. The mm. police can't be above it. Too I many saw that. Just yeah. get them under it. Please yourself. So when something does actually come to, to court, it's quite a mystery to these judges. So when they see these, these strangely shirted people who stop all on it, who's glued themselves to roads and stopped the traffic and caused mayhem and, in, in some cases, deaths where ambulances have not been able to get through. They don't care. They're just totally ignorant of it. And sadly, you do get judges where there's obviously nothing been written down as to what punishment should be applied to these people. Just give them a lenient, you mustn't do this. Now, I promise you won't do that again, eh? So, uh, again, um, let's just get rid of the judges and get some proper judges in. Okay, uh, we'll go to Norway next. Uh, so, a proper Europe calling. We're all over the show today. So, Norway had Europe's highest disposable income in 2022, but its average of €8,337 by late 2023 uh, put it in sixth place after Belgium. Denmark, Germany, the Netherlands and Austria. This is according to Eurostat, so you not, nobody's making this up. Um, yeah. This is the European Data Agency. Economic experts attributed the decline to a higher interest rate on mortgages and bank loans. Now, uh, to the best of my knowledge, um, there's only about 6 million people live in Norway. I know it's a pretty low population. They've got stacks of uh, deposits all around their country and and um, suddenly they're going into some sort of a decline, into sixth place after being at the, the top country. So what do you think might be behind that? I've no idea, but I, li I live in a little town called Alfasid LP, which just happens to have the highest population of Norwegians anywhere in the world. There are no, There's no bigger population of Norwegians anywhere in this world except the little Zani village that I live in. And every year, the Prime Minister of Norway pops across and says hello and does a bit of fist pumping and shaking hands and um, saying hello on, on May the 17th, well, I think around about May the 17th, which is the Norwegian day. It must be my wife's birthday, so I can never forget that one. Right. Um, so it's, uh, so that, um, I'm, I'm very surprised. They, 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 they're quite happy to send their, their, their or help fund their, 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 their citizens to, to live in Spain because it's a far healthier climate when you're getting on in years. You know, we certainly don't get the cold as we spoke about at the beginning of this broadcast. Yeah. Uh, it's very, 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 very nice weather compared to what they have. We have sunshine, which they, a lot of them don't even see for six months of the year. Um, there's everything going for, for Norwegian people that come here. Um, and by and large, they're really, really nice people. They're, we've got quite a few Norwegian friends. Very nice people. I've got like, quite a few. Actually, I've seen a Norwegian client on money, funnily enough, funnily, funnily enough, who's come back and wants some more work. But yeah, I don't. I've no idea uh, as to as to that. I've always assumed that they, they do have a, a good standard of living. I don't understand why it would have dropped. Um, I wonder where where the UK is in that list that you. you well, know, it's, it's, it's got to be well down. But I mean, 
suddenly Belgium has come from nowhere to be number one. I mean, that does not make really any sense to me. Um, no, it doesn't. Well, actually, I've got, funny enough, I mean, I'm an international builder. I've got a Belgian client to go and see next week as an old boy I've been looking after for quite a few years. And I'm going to go and see him. He was, uh, he's a very interesting guy. He lived most of his life in South Africa, so he's got some very, uh, very strange stories to tell. I've worked a bit out there, as you know, so we, we, we enjoy each other's company. But um, I'll, I'll ask him on that because uh, I do have, uh, um, I did have uh, years gone by Dutch clients who moved to Belgium uh, fiscally because it was better for them than to stay in, Ho- in Holland if they literally moved across the border. Even in some cases, just moved on paper, shall we say, uh, into Belgium. Their 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 tax liability was far less. They could they could they could make a lot more money. Um, in fact, just think about it, my neighbour's Belgium, and he's he does uh, he's he does that as well. Um, and it's um, yeah, I'm going to actually now you posed the question. I'm going to ask. I didn't realise that. Mm. I'm going to. So what the hell's going on here? How come you got the highest uh, the wages in in Europe? Come, going on? It's come from nowhere. Why am I getting the ice <laughs> Well, we'll stay with Norway, and uh, they're talking about a total of 65 million farmed salmon perished in Norway's fish farms in 2023, which is a 27% increase on 2022, the Institute of Marine Research reported. The dizzyingly high number was caused by jellyfish attacks on fish farm pens, as well as outbreaks of diseases which required the destructions of millions of fish. Now, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I try to join up dots and sometimes uh, there can be uh, something. Uh, we're always told how good salmon is for us and how, you know, how we should eat it. Um, and suddenly um, a 27% uh, increase on perished um, farm salmon. Uh, I've not seen this anywhere and yet I would expect to see that reported somewhere in any farming or you know uh, international comparisons or something I'd have expected somebody to bring, bring that into somebody's uh, news bulletin well, somewhere I never had any idea that jellyfish would be attacking salmon um, what they should do then is train and I'm sure they could some pods of dolphins as far as I know they eat jellyfish um, there you go. I should I could make some money here. Have you got any Norwegian phone numbers? Let's get on the phone. Mm-hmm. Hello. Um, yeah, I'll train some dolphins up and I'll take a few up there. Um, I'm, Christ, I mean, 55 million salmon perish. That's, that's an awful lot of salmon sandwiches and stuff, isn't it? Well, it's, I do like salmon. And I'm a guy, I suppose most of the salmon I eat is going to be farmed salmon. Um, yeah. I don't like the, I suppose, I think most of the fish we eat now is going to be farmed fish, which comes with its negativity in as much that they've been accused of using. Mm, antibiotics and bits and pieces which then to see the, the, the fish which then falls to the seabed and and starts to kill off the the, 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 the animals that live on the seabed that's why when you see the fish farms out in the, the bay where I live um, they're forever moving them they're, they're moving them all the time so they can't be accused of, of causing a desert underneath the, the, the fish farms yeah um, but we're getting a nice bit of fish and hopefully it's healthy fish that we're eating at the right price. Yeah, I'm sad to hear the 55 million. Bloody because of a jellyfish. Well, dolphins, Norwegian boys, get up there, dolphins. You see, I, 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 I'll wait and see if anything else develops along these lines. We know that the agricultural sector is under all sorts of attack from various politicians and political decisions. And so we've seen strikes in Spain and in France and uh, uh, I think virtually every major country in uh, in Europe. So is this another piece of a jigsaw puzzle where the food supply is going to be cut down? I don't know. Um, maybe... I'd imagine it's the, a huge EU beast that's been created that has no brain at all. It's a massive beast called the EU government with, with very little brain, very little idea, as is now being proven with the farmers. The EU legislation is bankrupting farmers. They cannot afford to farm under EU legislation, i.e. the Green Party says, you can't use this, that and the other. So they have to use other types of, for instance, fertilisers or, 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 or weed killers, etc. 
um, which more than likely are more expensive and increases the price of their product, which they can't bring to market. Why? Because the EU is allowing produce from other countries into the EU that doesn't come under these laws, and therefore their products are a lot cheaper. So the EU farmers, hence the blockades EU-wide, not just in Spain, but the UK, France, everywhere, they're going mad, and we should back them. We really shouldn't, unless, apart from the fact that I was stuck in three different blockades on motorways a couple of weekends ago, but never mind. They, they kept us blockaded for an hour at a time, so it wasn't bad, they stuck for an hour. No, but you can do, you can do that. Um, but it, it just proves again that the EU doesn't work. It doesn't work, and they're not going to change. Why should they? The big gravy trains they're sitting on, the massive wages and bonuses, and they're three-hour lunches they have on a daily basis. Well, for those that would want to do the research, go and find out who the leaders are, and you'll find out reasons why we've got ridiculous policies. But anyway, um, Italy is next, where we have the occupants of a parked car and another that was moving uh, were rescued with minor injuries after a sinkhole in a Naples street swallowed both vehicles in the early hours of February the 21st. Uh, Naples Mer said the incident was the result of neglecting the city's sewage system for many years. Now, um, I also saw a documentary <laughs> regarding Rome and the underground city, which is also there. Um, um, infrastructure and not being invested in. I think that seems to be generally everywhere, doesn't it? Just look at the, the rivers authorities in, in the UK and the, the rivers that now become rivers of, of, of sewage that they're being paid to do, paid to pump sewage into the rivers. No, they're not actually being paid to pump sewage into the rivers, but they're given billions and billions of pounds, and then there's no control over it, and they pass that money instead of into the infrastructure of their, their water and sewage systems, they pass it on to the shareholders uh, to give, make it a nice big company to, to invest in. I can only assume that happens across Europe. I can only assume that happened in Naples. Funny enough, you mentioned Naples, and in fact, it was, it, was, it was being blamed on a sewage system collapsing. My family know that I have a name for Naples. Uh, it's sort of like SH1T with a hole at the end of it. Because uh, I've been there, I pronounced it I, gave it, I gave it this name. I wasn't very happy with it, to be honest with you. Uh, and that's what I called it. And you mentioned this, I was having a little chuckle to myself, because I've proved myself right. I'm going to tell the family how right I am now. <laughs> Okay, uh, some really interesting little things here. There's a, another story, this time from Germany. Uh, residents in Grunheide, a rural community under 8,000, well, those people have voted against authorising a rail goods depot and storage facilities which would have been used by Tesla's batteries and car assembly plant. Plans which included building a goods depot and storage facilities would have entailed felling 250 acres of trees. There, to me, is rather a very interesting thing. Why would you have 250 acres of trees felled so you can put in all these batteries for the electric car. It's can you get Greta on the phone about this one? Let's get Greta on the phone. Let's just see what we, we're we going with this one there, with these Tesla batteries that she wants. Uh, and what's she got to say about this? Oh, 200 acres of trees being chopped down. Well, <laughs> can I just say, <laughs> it just underlines everything that we've been saying for a long, long time, Vince. Underlines everything, mate. Where well, there's money, there's corruption. Uh, that is, that'll just carry on happening throughout the world. This article it was actually it was in the paper, and it looked as if it wasn't going to be interesting. But I have a story from Toulouse now, uh, in France. Nine hundred tons of lithium batteries recently went up in smoke at a Vivier's Toulouse recycling plant. Essential for items ranging from mobile phones to electric cars, the batteries, a combination of inflammable materials and stored energy, uh, meant they ignited easily when exposed to heat. Now, the firefighters have explained this, so it's not a politician, it's actually an expert explaining the, the problems that we're building up if we keep going down this ridiculous route of um, just reliant totally on uh, electric batteries and things like this, or batteries for electric cars, should I say. Uh, Terry, that, that, how, how do you... Yeah, I've invented something, 
has anybody actually processed the Let's move ourselves forward 10 years, because in 10 years' time, they're going to take my car off me. I've got, I've got a, a diesel vehicle, uh, a big gas guzzler, keeps me safe. They're going to take that off me, because apparently, in Spain, because I won't be allowed to drive it. So they'll, they'll force me to have a, a, an electric vehicle with a, one of these big, heavy batteries in it, which is going to tear up the road even more because the weight of that battery is going to be far heavier than the vehicle I drive. But anyway, what happens to all these batteries? Apart from the fact that when you want to change the battery, it's going to cost, on average, about €30,000 just to change your battery, by the way. What do you do with the old batteries? They haven't got a solution, have they? No. So when you tell me about what's been happening in Toulouse, where 900 tonnes of, of lithium batteries have gone up in smoke, it tells me everything. How many photographs? Have, I saw one of the news this morning about a, a woman who, who luckily managed to get out of the house quick enough. The house just turned into an inferno in, 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 in seconds through a, through a scooter battery being charged up. She plugged it in, and within seconds it just set herself on fire. And the whole house got gutted, she managed to get out in time. Luckily, she was awake because she just got up and plugged it. If she plugged it in and gone to bed, it would have been a different matter. There's... there's there, there's no solutions. Why keep saying we have to have electric vehicles when, A, they don't work, they won't do the mileage I need to do in a day, B, what do you do with the batteries when they're finished, C, where am I going to charge these vehicles because there just aren't enough charging points, D, what are people going to do in, who live in, on the eighth floor of an apartment block? They're going to have a huge line, are they, down to the street somewhere to, to, plug, to fit the car? Come on. They've just not thought it out. And this is just another thing that's not been thought out by these absolute green Idiots. Well, that's what, idiots. That's why I get really very clear in what I think could be labelled a conspiracy theory. But ridiculously, if you looked at what happened on the east coast of America when they had a, a really big storm, everything came to a halt. Recently, we were told that in Chicago, cars, electric cars couldn't start because it was too cold. So realistically, uh, you've got so much information legislating against continuing with these policies um, mm. that, quite honestly, it just has to be some group of people who obviously have got something that they know that other people don't know. There's, uh, too, there's too few people making massive amounts of money out of this. And they've convinced us all, stupidly, that we should accept it. We should not accept it. We should not accept it. Not just because they're making the money out of it. That's all they're worried about. But there's no infrastructure for it. There's no safety regarding the batteries that are set on fire on a regular basis. They've no idea what to do with the batteries once they're, 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 you've paid €30,000 to replace yours. What are they going to do with the old one? They've no idea. They haven't got any idea. They don't care. They're taking the money now. That's all they care about, and we let them do it. We're getting a lot of clarity over certain things, and there's a veg pledge in France. The French Nutrition Society, a body of public and private sector nutrition experts, uh, note the word, uh, together with Climate Action Network, issued a document stating that the French needed to change their eating habits. They were also advised to reduce meat consumption for the sake of the planet's health. Well, I've been to France and I've seen that the meat that they consume is likely not to be decreased uh, from what I've seen, but they still continue with this sort of stuff. Uh, it, it really looks nonsensical when you actually go to the grassroots, no pun intended, and actually see go. what's going on there, you know. Well, listen, I only eat plant-based products. A cow eats grass and plants. And by doing so, it puts a stake on my plate. And thank you very much, Cam, for being a green animal. French nutrition experts, Vince. Experts. The thing about it, X is a has-been, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. Mm -hmm. That tells you everything, doesn't it? And they're going to tell the French not to eat meat. Good luck with that. I think, you know, I think the French have got more cojones than, uh, than we've got, that's for sure. Yeah. OK, uh, we'll go to Ireland. And the Taoiseach, uh, the Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar, announced an €800 million Euros investment in cross-border projects, which he said was the largest ever package of this kind. 
and then went on to say the return of the power-sharing executive is hugely important for the people of Northern Ireland. Uh, Varadkar said uh, that he has brought renewed hope. And, um, I mean, really, this this problem has been right through our lifetime, um, but, of course, exacerbated and focused more since we've had Brexit, probably, and traded... It's taken them all this time with Brexit to actually realise you can't have a border down the middle of the Irish Sea, where, where, where stuff coming from the UK can't pass into, into Southern Ireland. Stuff from Northern Ireland can pass into Southern Ireland because that's the agreement they have. But stuff from, from, from uh, Liverpool going across the sea to, into, into to Belfast can't be passed on over the road into, into, into Ireland. So by, by, by actually now breaking down the, the barriers, which should have been Oscar, Oscar I mean, Boris had it right. Boris said it right from right from the very beginning uh, when he agreed to this because he knew it would get destroyed. He knew that the Brexit agreement with, regarding Northern Ireland would be self-destructive. So he was, he was quite right to agree to it because yeah, we'll agree to what you want because it's not going to happen. And and now it's happening. So um, you know, not a lot said about that, is there? Well, you know, we had all the complaints about it. <laughs> We're about the the the, the 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 border down the the, the Irish Sea. Let me but highlight. Has disappeared. Let me highlight something else which not many people talk about, and it's Ireland's national debt, and it works out at €42,000 for every member of the population, uh, which in turn makes it one of the highest in the world, and the Department of Finance has actually declared this. It also warned that by 2030, uh, isn't it strange, Agenda 2030, but there we are, it just happens to be, it warns that by 2030, the Irish state would need an additional £8 billion a year to maintain current funding levels for areas like healthcare and pensions. Um, Interesting, and also interesting is we don't seem to get many immigrants seem to want to go to Ireland, do they? Well, no, I suppose it's then worked out to get you try crossing the Irish certainly in a bloody dinger. Mm. Um, but strangely, no, I wonder why. But Ireland, uh, um, Southern Ireland, I'll prove two escorts in Southern Ireland, but it's Ireland, uh, created this problem years ago when they, they went out and advertised to the world where their taxation system is lower than anybody to entice businesses to go over there, which they did. Big businesses flocked over there because they're going to pay so much less tax. So they got all the, the businesses over there, which created a, a wonderful uh, employment. But if you're charging less tax, there's less money in the coffers. There's less money in the coffers, the national debt goes up, doesn't it? And that's, that's the payback they've got now. Again, at the time, it was a brilliant stroke to play. But they weren't thinking what's going to happen in the future. Who does? Well, I think it's easy. It's easy for UK people to sort of not see that there's this huge problem, the cross-border problem between Aero, the, the Republic, and um, the part which is the United Kingdom. And I think sometimes you, you can hear even when politicians are talking, apart from the fact um, that you know you do hear a different accent. Um, I think people don't seem to see the the immensity of the problem. That's the way I would view it, anyway. Well, the, 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 the EU and Ireland insisted there can be no border between Ireland and Northern Ireland. I think, which is wonderful. Why should there be? But that means the border goes into the middle of the Irish Sea. Um, because I've got a butcher shop in, in Belfast. I can sell sausages into Dublin. That's not a problem. I put them in my car and drive them down there and flog them. But if I have those sausages I've got from Liverpool into my butcher shop in Belfast, I can't take them over the border into Ireland. And that's, that has been basically been the problem which has held up the, the government. Now, that, now they've actually got the government together again. I mean, they're as bad as each other, the, 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 the Sinn Féin and the, 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 the UDI. But it's, it's, they're as bad as each other, but all right, they're back working together for five minutes. But no doubt it'll, be, it'll blow up in the air again over some other, some other reason. But it, it seems they seems to have won. They've won against the EU. And that's a little been said about that. Yeah. Look, I don't see anything on the front page. Uh, the EU has had to back off and allow these things to happen. It's just happened because the people said, this has got to happen.
And guess what? It's happened. Well, Terry, we've People had a, do have a voice, you know. We've had a, had a sort of a different uh, podcast this week because basically I found that. Uh, illuminating in many ways, uh, mainly on sound bites, but at the same time, I thought the article was interesting. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. I did. I'm, I'm giddy. We've had a complete tour around Europe. I don't, we haven't missed many countries, have we? We haven't <laughs> been to Bulgaria, have we? No, we haven't. Uh... All right, Terry, <laughs> we'll leave it there and uh, look forward to next week. Igualmente, señor. Hasta el jueves que viene. Muchísimas gracias. Gracias.